Look, bruh, all I'm doing is connecting the dots. A work of art of the highest quality. And what will you do with the big, big, big money? But I guess I'll make a lot of money, so here I am. Connect the dots, be clear. But music was noise, and I thought art was bullshit. I want to be an artist. Oh. Big, I'm not a piece of art! Yes, bravo! If money is all that you love, then that's what you'll receive. It really was. It was a work of art. It's not about money. It's about sending a message. Hey, just look at that sky. It's a work of art. Ha, nature never knew colors like that. A man can be an artist. And anything, food, whatever. It depends on on how good he is at it. Creasy's art is death. He's about to paint his masterpiece. It's a work of art. Make that money, get paid. Man, this is gonna be a masterpiece. Bothered to connect the dots. This is an art gallery, my friend. And this is a piece of art. Simply connecting the dots. Yeah, well, money talks and bullshit walks, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's how much you know about art. You can make a lot of money making movies like this. You have to be a bit of a rebel to be an artist of any kind, I believe. You're gonna make a lot of money, pal. Only a highly suspicious paranoid cynic, or someone like me, with, a, with an eye for clues and patterns, could possibly connect the dots. Hi everyone, welcome back to Connect the Dots. I'm your host, Justin Stillmaker, the show where we dig into the fun topic of art and money. And I gotta say, every week, I love watching that credit sequence. It gets me psyched and nervous. I burped right before we came on screen, so I'm like a little out of it. But I wanna start with our first topic here today. Um, I wanna talk about the big thing going on in film right now, which is the movie The Flash and the kind of disaster it's caused all across the board for all kinds of major studios. Um, uh, turns out most of you haven't seen it, but, uh, you know, I was like choosing between which topics to open with. And I was like, while the ocean gate submarine story does seem in its weird way connected to art and money to me, that's just sort of funny and sad all at the same time. So I've chosen to skip that. And I want to talk about the flash. Um, this movie is like, let's see. It was is such a Frankenstein's monster of everything kind of wrong with studios. It was made across three separate regimes at warner brothers um you might remember this movie as uh when david zaslav took over warner brothers he got rid of this movie starting batgirl which also had michael keaton returning had a kind of an interesting directors at the helm and starred a woman of color and instead he decided to release the flash to theaters that has michael keaton um and stars ezra miller who has been proven to be pretty problematic in a lot of different ways. Um, I mean, we don't even have to go into that, but like this movie, well, besides it looks like it's going to cost be like cost almost $400 million to make. If you count in like publicity and how much they're running ads during the NBA playoffs, I believe it. Um, 
It just has not connected with audiences in any way. And it's, to me, signals the a real end of this like IP chase because it feels like the end of the Zack Snyder's universe of Batman. The Flash is a character we don't really have any investment in. The whole movie felt like, I was like, did I miss skip something? Am I missing something, a key point? The whole thing just felt sort of like this like soulless, suck dry. And I want to be clear. I sort of like the movie um, and I'll explain why, but the whole thing felt like grave robbers going through our like collective memory. Like, do you, are you, were you old enough to remember Michael Keaton as Batman? We got you. Oh, you remember Ben Affleck from five years? We got you. Uh, it's just, <laughs> there's a part at the end where the flash is like going through time and you're meeting and there's this part where you see Nicolas Cage as Superman, which is like, a famous story of internet lore where Nicolas Cage was, there's like one photo where he was going to be Superman with long hair directed by Tim Burton. And there's also another famous story attached to it where Kevin Smith was originally one of the writers on it. And he tells this like ridiculous story of working with the producers of that movie that never happened where they wanted Superman to fight a giant spider. So in this sequence, you see this giant spider show up and I was like, oh no, they're doing, they're gonna do, they're gonna do Nicolas Cage's Superman. And sure enough, there he is. They like, you know, and it's just like the thing I couldn't get over is like, who is this for? Like, this is not, this is not why people go to the movies. This is not, this is just a studio and an algorithm going, well, people like Batman, they like this, like this. We we want to be just like Marvel, we want to be like the Spider-Verse. Why don't we just mash it all together with no clear like you know, we just had a Batman movie last year come out with Robert Pattinson that made a lot of money and was really good. And yet here we are with this flash that just feels dead on arrival. And it's just the whole thing felt sort of sad, and it just felt like these movies to some degree meant something. Like even the filmmakers like me, where I was like, I, every summer I would look forward to the big blockbuster. And now it just feels, it's just like they've taken any uniqueness out of it. And part of it is just because they're, they're constantly, is like one of the few kind of films they make. But it's just like, this movie didn't have anyone involved that really cared. It just felt like IP they had to make. Like back in the day, before the MCU, different producers controlled different superheroes. And they would like make low budget movies to hold on to the rights. So it would make like a Captain America movie for like, less than a million dollars because they need to make one every six years or they lose the rights. And so that um, is what this felt like to me. It was like, we just need to make a flash movie. No one wants it. No one seems to care. And yet I kind of liked it. It is a perfect one. I, you know, I grew up watching the Michael Keaton Batmans. And so like seeing him as a 71 year old Batman, it worked. The nostalgia button hit. It's also really odd the movie opens with like the flash saving these babies and at one point he puts a baby in a microwave and it's just like it feels so wrong like so many things feel so wrong about the movie that i was like wow they really they really did it i, I listen i'm not telling you to go out and see it i found the lead ezra miller as complicated complicated as they are um charming he they interact with themselves a couple times but in general, it's just like Warner Brothers just keeps missing. They had their Shazam movie flop. They had this movie's going to be a huge flop. They have two more. They're looking at like losing a billion dollars, not to mention all the other terrible things they're doing over there that I'm sure I'll be talking about next week. But um, it's just there's something about this movie that just feels like all the wrong things of like art and money like that I always like to talk about. And it's just like, who is this for? It just seems 
if an algorithm created a movie, it would be this movie. And it's just, it just, it really makes you appreciate the art. So, I mean, I couldn't go another week without talking about it with you guys all. Now, on to my favorite part of the show where we get to bring in a guest who might actually know a little a few things about Nicolas Cage as well. I want to bring on my guest, Jen Bosworth Ramirez. Hi. Hello. Yeah. How are you doing? Good. I I love that in that whole intro and those credits. The whole thing yeah. was really cool. Isn't it? Watch. Isn't it cool? Yeah. I get kind of psyched, and then right like towards the end, I get start getting. I get this like nervous. Like, oh no, sure. I gotta. That, sure. That. I don't know how you how actors do it. Like I I like. Oh, it's been... awful. It's <laughs> awful. I just I think I think there. It's just an awful feeling, but it also <laughs> is the closest to sort of death. That you that I ever get, which is also a thrill. So it's a weird thing, but yeah, it's all. I know that feeling of like, okay, here we go. It's all. It all could be awful. Here we yeah. go. Yeah, okay. I had like a burp. Like as it was like, I had. I was like, oh no, I cannot open on a burp. I'm not that no. kind of. I cannot that no. kind of host. No. <laughs> Well, so I, I'm going to start off a little and be like, well, I, you know both sides of what we're talking about, too, because so Jen is a great actress, but also as an actor. And I don't also, care. I yeah. Listen, people, that debate is so I'm like, listen, just pay me. I, I, I don't care what you call me. Like, yeah. great. So anyway, yes, go ahead. And and writer. Like, yeah. we've, they're writer. They've just finished their second TV show pilot I um, that they're getting rave reviews on. And we wrote a fil film together. Which uh, I love. I love our horror film. I just yeah. have to say, our horror comedy is is just delightful every time I open it. Which is weird to say as your own thing, but yeah. when you write with someone else, it it, it you could just you just discover the magic, the other person's stuff. I'm like, it has one of my favorite lines that anyone. I'm not going to spoil it, but it just includes the word pirates. Let's just say pirates. Thank you. Okay? I, it is very fun writing with. It's it's uh, writing by yourself can be such a like chaotic solo adventure yeah. that it's really fun to check in with someone and be like how does this make sense because like you don't have that till the very end where you're like i could probably use this earlier someone to check in with and be like is this too crazy correct now, but so the one thing i like to do with the guests is like how do we know each other because like one of the things i'm always talking about is like how the weird wild career you'll okay. have if you go into art so yes so i there was somehow i got an audition notice for someone's thesis film at DePaul. And this right. was like, what, 2015? I, I, I don't even know. That feels know. right. Yeah, it feels like somewhere in that range. Yeah. 16, 15, I don't mm -hmm. know, somewhere, somewhere in there. And I went to DePaul for the audition or the yep. call. It must be both. I don't know. Anyway, I showed up yeah. and you were there. Right. Um, because you were helping. Now, in my mind, yeah. I had it that you wrote and directed this film which is not true <laughs> no i did i did write it and i was helping someone who i've collaborated with closely <laughs> on lots of projects but he was in school to finish like doing his grad and he had to direct and i was like i think he's someone who's very talented but not at the time was not as comfortable around actors and i was like well, why right. don't i kind of sit here that was it's, so, it was like a really good thing. In that movie we made and I had a blast and I thought you were amazing. And I was like, oh, this, this person is really funny. Justin's really funny, but also really great with actors, which is so rare for a lot of us to be, you know, it's just, it's hard to deal with actors. And it's also um, a skill to give notes that are both, um, course corrective, as I like to say, <laughs> and 
hopeful and not like you're terrible, but also get the actor to do make the change that really they that you need to see in order for the film or the television show to work. Yeah. So you were you're able to do that. And I remembered you and then we just stayed in touch and then we both moved yeah. back to I moved back to LA, you moved to LA yeah. and and we wrote a movie together. So that's how we know we've known each other probably yeah like like seven years seven, now or something yeah. yeah it's 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 that thing where I, i'm a big believer in this is like if you meet people who are just love what they do and have high energy i like to surround myself with them like i didn't know we'd end up writing a screenplay together no. not see that coming let alone a horror comedy i don't think you even knew you wrote horror at the no, time no. i didn't know anything i don't know anything but it's the best genre man but yeah. anyway yeah so, so how did you how did you i'm not, now i'm just gonna ask questions i want to know because like when you're right. friends with something you do like the weird thing about working in film is like you jump, you have your friendship jump off point is like you're already established in your way. So you never get to go that like first day no. backwards, right? So like, how did you get into acting? Like what got you to- Oh, that's such a funny question. <laughs> yeah, I, I was one of those kids that wasn't really good at anything. Like literally, like I, not that I was a bad person, but like, you know, kids, like my sister was really focused and really um, knew that it was into things and curious. And I literally was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then in high school, yeah. I, it wasn't, I wasn't a theater kid. Like I didn't, mm. yeah, I wasn't, I mean, I stumbled. You didn't seem too cool to be a theater kid. Oh, you're that mostly if by cool you mean smoking parliament lights in the garage. I oh, yeah, that is my okay. definition of cool. That's... Okay, well then I was cool. So um but yeah, I um I I stumbled into acting by playing Agnes Gooch in Anti Mame, which is the the you know, they made a it was a musical, then there was a stage play, mm. and the character is like a real character actress. Char I mean, Agnes mm. Gooch, the name. And I, 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 I played that character, and in, when I was a maybe a senior or something, and what I found was even though I wasn't the lead and I wasn't beautiful and I wasn't all these things, the director said one day in rehearsal. Oh, you know, I was just doing the Agnes Gooch thing. Basically, I was probably just like literally imitating the movie I had seen, but that's okay. Yeah. So I did the Agnes Gooch thing and, and I remember the director going, this play is a mess. Thank God for Agnes Gooch. Like, wow. thank God we have Agnes Gooch. And I remember thinking, oh, that's really great. I get to save the day, be funny, and also not have to look glamorous and beautiful. Like, All that's right. her whole shtick is that she's not. And so um, that's really what – but I – and then I, acting, I didn't know. I applied to, like – 10 schools, like all different kinds. Big, I, my mom was like, you, you know, an immigrant. She, she was an immigrant from um, Colombia, And she was like, you have to go to college. And I was like, there's no gap year, right? Like you have, yeah. so I just picked and I got in shockingly to the conservatory for acting. And I say shockingly because I legit was like, I didn't know what I was doing. I did monologues that were inappropriate. I didn't know. <laughs> so that's how I got into acting conservatory. But like, I never was one of those kids that was like, you know, I be a star. I, yeah. or I fall, I went to the theater and fell in love. I hear a lot, like fell in love with the magic of the theater. Yeah. I, I literally was probably thinking about, could I get a corn dog at intermission? Like that's where my mind was. Well, I, I feel like, you know, like 
being an actor, you can it gives you an excuse to smoke parliaments and make out with cute people. Like there's like That's I true. think there's underrated things to like just like how people end up in it, and then they find That's true. Their, right? I think that it gives you permission to yeah, just like be real weird, and also to um, meet other really interesting people that you would never meet. Like yeah ever ever and you're like whoa so yeah i do think that's one of the perks of that yeah so so you got in the conservatory at DePaul, was that yeah yeah so do you love this is another question i just always want to know like what do you prefer theater or film oh that's so great it's and which all one do you like, prefer if you might be or like you're like yeah or like what do you really I, think you're better at okay oh god i don't know that i'm good at any of it but <laughs> i really like um television in that it's petrifying and also um i television and film sets yeah are so um uh, so collaborative that it is like i think theater is so fun because it's like you can really revel in this sort of emotional connection you feel <laughs> and like you're doing the work on stage and everyone sees right. the work but film and tv it's like oh speaking of money you're like oh this is a business and this is a big business and um everyone's has a part to play and really quickly i learned um i booked my first job in you know 1999 i learned like it does not revolve around me <laughs> and I'll, nobody gives a shit and we better just you do your part and get off you know that's that's true like i never thought like because film has so much equipment and crew, it's really becomes money versus passion, right? And I think that's what I think actors in the end always love about theater more is like, you can just do it in a black box. I mean, you can just like, it's different. It's just like, I. Yeah, and I like meeting. So I'm the kind of the kind of human that loves to know the people that are doing like the grip work, the lighting work, because they like remind me of people I knew in my childhood. Right. My dad was a real, you know, he would have been a grip kind of a guy. And so yeah. uh, that is my jam. And meeting the characters that <laughs> that are a part of the 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 world of a set, like those. I mean, it's sort of, it is, it's like a carny type atmosphere. It is there. like that. I, I think yeah. you're like, I always forget like when I would, like when I would PA and stuff and I was like, so I'm going to be a director and I'm like, I have the tunnel vision. Right. And then you just meet dudes who are like, would have clearly just been like an auto mechanic, but they're like, happened to be like the steady cam operator yes. or the dolly grip. And you're just yes. like, oh, they just found like another version of a blue collar job. That's just surrounded by this glitz, but it's it really so wild. It, they're great they're the best characters they they're the are. great and like the makeup you know on my last shoot i did the makeup artist mm -hmm. was like a dirt she she was a dirt bike racer in mexico for most of her give me her info would, side note that i need to book this person amazing and just wild and like crazy <laughs> and like lives in mexico is like blonde blue eyed but like raw like she's lived wow. a life and i was like oh i love her and we had a blast so i and then it's over and then you may never see them again. I'm directors from different countries. Like I like that. And I also think that it, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a way different. It's a way different vibe. And also theater. Um, I do think, you know, it takes itself so seriously and, and there's some real good work being done in yeah. theater, but I, I don't know that I need to do that kind of work. 
it also is the one with less money somehow. It's not exactly film as, as Luke. But the thing that always gets me about theater that I really love. So, like, I think I view film as more collaborative because it just uh-huh. needs so many more people where, like, the writer and the director and, the, like, the actors, they're, re- they're, they're it. Like, it's less involvement. Like, I know I'm speaking a little out of turn. I've only directed one play. But, like, yeah. it does, feels a little less collaborative. That being said, that opening, every time I see a play and, like, that energy of, like, that first, when they come out, you can just feel the months of work in a way that, like, you almost get choked. Like, it doesn't matter how bad the play is, that first, it's, it's, it's yes, it's, it is, what it is for me is, and I am known for going to see high school and community college <laughs> productions of musicals and plays where I know no one in them because amazing. of that and the feeling, it, and the reason is, the unbridled enthusiasm and commitment to whatever is going on on stage, no matter how bad the thing might be, the amount of hope and the amount of like pride that ha- that I it is so inspiring to me, even <laughs> if it's terrible. In fact, probably the worse it, it is, the better because yeah. it sort of it shows me that it it's not really about being good; it's about yeah like confidence like a lot of these these people these productions the confidence is if they're like <laughs> sir ben kingsley and really yeah. you're like they can't sing and it's brilliant mm. i'm like this is uh. what i need more of in my life uh-huh it's it's true like some of the best i've seen some incredible steppenwolf plays but i've seen some incredible team plays where you're like Dude, it is burned into my brain production of um, Les Mis that I saw at hmm. in, in Lake Forest, okay, <laughs> Illinois, was was so good that I was like weeping, and I, they were so committed in this, and it was like literally, it wasn't even in the theater, it was like in this hmm. weird gym converted thing because they were like doing some construction, and I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. People are crying, and like, <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. The, the greatest play I've ever seen, and I, I can't even tell this story. So uh, my mom was very religious, and she worked at this place in Chicago called the Miracle Center. It's, like, on yes. the west side. And they they have a ton of connections to Lin-Manuel Miranda. And so they got the rights. It's a very kind of, like, it's after school. It's very, it's not quite religious, but it's, like, yes. a lot of teens that are more likely in church and pent up, we'll say. And yes. so they got the rights to do In the Heights as, like, so the, I, I go to this show that was nothing but, I would say, probably very uh, hormonal 16-year-olds acting out a play that's all about sex that I was, like, at the act break, I was like, I have to leave. This is inappropriate. Yes. <laughs> it was wild. I was like, yes, you can't do this with teenagers. It was, like, I'll never forget it. I was like. Yeah, it's as if they're really in the thing. Yeah, they're not they're, acting. No, not at all. It was it was too realistic to that point that I was yeah. like, I was with the person I was with. I was like, we need to go. Like this yeah. is I yes. I don't you want to see like what the witnessing actual puberty and actual sexual <laughs> coming of age yeah. on stage. It's About, almost like it's like a snuff film. You're witnessing. Yes, it was. Snuff yes, play. that's like that's closer what it was yeah. like. And I was like, I can't yeah. be here. This is not, <laughs> this is not appropriate. Right. Um, I mean, so, good yeah. for them. Get it, get it out however you need to get it out, right? 
So yeah. okay, so you you went to Los Angeles. You live there now, like me. But like you went out in the two thousands as yeah, well. Yeah. So I moved in two thousand. I moved, and I um, thought I was going to be an actor. You know, because hmm. I had I had had some early success at in I a play at Steppenwolf. Yeah. I know. And like right when I graduated, I thought, oh my god, I'm going to be famous because the week I after graduation, hmm. I booked a Steppenwolf lead in a Steppenwolf play. An episode of um, ER and and a recurring or multiple character like episode arc on early edition in like wow. the same two weeks. Kyle span. Chandler's you had a chance you were to see with Kyle oh, Chandler. Oh yeah, he was so nice and beautiful oh, and like amazing. Oh, so that guy was. Oh. That was so, I was like, I, and it was my first experience on a set where, it, where, and, and he was so beautiful. I was like, oh my gosh, I've made it. Like I have made it. Yeah. But that was, and then I thought, okay, so I've made it. Now I got to move to LA and I moved to LA and I, I didn't act again for years and years. Like I just got there and I was like, oh, this is out of my pay grade. Like, I don't know what these people are doing, yeah. but I, I don't belong here. And I just felt I couldn't get an agent and I worked in a bookstore and that was fun. And then I sort of fell into, and then I got my job working for Nick Cage's uh, production yeah. company and that all went, and then acting went right out the window because like you couldn't be an actor and work for him. I don't think that was like, I mean, I, since you brought it up, I obviously was leading you there, but like it's, yeah. So what was that? Like, how did you fall into so, that job? It's the weirdest story. And I've told it before and it's like, it, it's so weird to hear it. So I worked at this bookstore. Okay. And one of the part-timers there, I was a full-timer. I made $7.25 yeah. an hour at this metaphysical bookstore and I lived in West Hollywood and I lived right what down was the, the street. Is it still around? The Bodhi tree. No, oh. they sold it for like millions of dollars, but I met like Prince there. I met, wow. I met so many people, Alanis Morissette, Rick Rubin, the whole deal. Yeah. So, but, so I'm working there and there was a model. Her name was legit Monique. I remember. <laughs> and she was a part-timer and she was super nice. And she literally said to me, I heard it. Cause I was talking to her. I'm like, I gotta make more than seven twenty-five an hour. <laughs> and she was like, listen, I heard about this job opening at a production company and I don't want want to do it because I want to, I'm going to be a model professionally yeah. and that takes up a lot of time, but maybe you could do it. It was so funny. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. And I showed up and, and I literally, when I, I, I gave my resume, I faxed my resume wow. and I went to the interview and Nick was not there, but his off, they didn't tell me who it was for. The office was covered in posters of his movies. I thought, okay. And it was production company on Sunset Boulevard. And I got there and they, I really liked the people, his producing partner. And they were like, what, basically like, what are you doing with your life? Like, what, how did you end up here? I'm like, ah, I was an actor. And they're like, oh, okay. Don't say that. So on my resume, I remember they had before I met Nick because that's the final step is you yeah. have to meet, meet Nick Cage, right? And they said, "Can you white out your acting degree with white out because he doesn't he doesn't like actors?" Or I think maybe the thing was like they would all be using him to try to be. Yeah, I, I get that. I no, no, I respect it, but I'm just laughing that it was like whited out, and then I whited it out, and then faxed it to set where he was filming wind talkers. Wow. Like, yeah. Like so, Hawaii or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I don't know where, no, no. We, he, they took me in a van to the desert oh. to meet him. They were shooting in like the Mojave somewhere around. But anyway, so, so um, yeah, but I just remember whiting it out and then faxing it. And then the whiteout got on the fax. It was a big mess, but like, so that's how I got that job. And he, I met him and we, I wouldn't say we, 
hit it off because nobody really hits. I mean, we were in a trailer in the desert and he had half his face blown off because in the movie he gets his ear blown off. And I literally was like, your ear is so realistic. I'm having trouble. And he's like, you know, it's fake. And I'm like, yeah, I know it's fake, Nick, but I'm literally two inches from you and you have no face. So, so you were was- you were there for the true like like there was the great art actor again I'm a huge Nicolas Cage fan as you know but like you're there for the run of stardom the crash basically Dude, right was- I'm there from a, right after Academy Award for leaving Las Vegas right mm-hmm. and then yeah. and then through I left and it was really hard when I left we were talking what did we do like I can't remember but it was real it wasn't great it was mm-hmm. like oh no what what's Oh, you know, I left, I remember the last premiere I went to, which was really hard, was Captain Corelli's Mandolin around that time. So, so I remember that story is I just got out of the, the, I was late. I'm sweaty. It's in Beverly Hills. I'm I'm driving a beat up Honda. I'm not going to valet. And I go and I'm, I had to go on the red carpet because I was late and I hear cheering and I'm like, Oh no. And I look around, there's Tom Cruise. Cause he was dating Penelope Cruise. Who's in the movie That's at the right. time. And all I see are these huge teeth. The man had for a while, I think like braces. He had braces. Were, yeah. And, but then he had huge veneers. Like he had gotten them three sizes too. Big. And he's not an unattractive person, but I was like, <gasps> and he's little and these teeth and i was like oh my god and so that that was yeah and that's the time around the time where i was like oh this is so i really saw like i really had i like i liked adaptation i liked matchstick yeah. men all that yeah. era and then it kind of went were you there when he directed the movie with franco oh, okay so Sonny? that's my my claim to fame is is I like to say that I am responsible for Casey Affleck not getting the lead in that film, which he might actually be happy about. Yeah. But he was a total jerk to me in the office, like during yeah. auditions, like a jerk. And at the end of the day, Nick asked me who I would rather see in the movie, James Franco or F- Casey Affleck. And I said, I and it, the guy is like a, a male prostitute in the movie. Yeah. And I said, I would rather sleep with the, that bottle on Sunset Boulevard <laughs> than engage in anything with Casey Affleck. And they cast James Franco. Now, look, oh, wow. the movie wasn't so great, but whatever. So that's that I was there. That was around. That was right during my okay, time. I, ha- I have to add, I'm bringing a bunch of worlds together. So I at some point was like one of my favorite things to do is just like on the weekend, me and my wife, Thea, we will like drive around and go into like, uh, like mansions that are doing open houses. Sure. And like, right. And so there was a realtor there who was like a full character, former act. You had the energy. Like she was like, she was the cartoon version. And like, she apparently was a child actor on Charles in Charge. But she, on oh. her re, she was Josie Davis. Josie was, Davis. Davis. She's in Sunny. <laughs> Sunny. Yep. So yeah. Jo- yes, <laughs> Josie Davis. So Josie Davis was like a like a big get for us. Like yeah. I don't know why we were like looking for funding probably or something, and we really hyped up the fact that Josie Davis was playing one of and Mina Suvari. They were in it. Yep. And I think that that was like it was during Mina's like like she had just fallen American from, Beauty. Yeah, uh, after post that and. Anyway, yeah. Josie Davis. Oh, I haven't thought about her in so long. And I remember thinking, you know, like sh- we passed up a lot of people to give her that. To g- she got well, that role. 
she it's all over her reel so she appreciates it you should she is a wonderful instagram follow jen i highly oh, really oh yeah it's uh does she know is it iron i irony or no there's no okay Oh boy. Okay. Um, that being said, wonderful like tour guide of a house in Los Feliz. And right. I was and she was just like she just started texting us. Did and I was like, she talk about her time as an actor while she, she was did being not, a but like okay, she had I, I've spent enough time around actors to know former actors and like and also you she has a face that you recognize. She has a face, she looks like, very familiar and like yeah. You're like we saved by the bell, nine hundred two. Yeah, yeah, like she was like, if, if you look up her IMD again, like I think this is impressive that art, like she's a worker, right? Like she's like, I want to be an actor, and she put in the time, and she keeps at it, even if she doesn't care if she has to. She's like still like going after, you know, she, NCIS and all. It's like that's the career. I think that's like you know, like which gives me my next question. So at some point, you're you're doing acting, you're working for. Okay, one more Nick Cage. I know you've said he he was quite nice, if if not a little clueless. I um, mean, just completely, yeah, in his own world. What was like the weirdest request you got? Like, was there like a regular odd oh, request? There were so many, so many. Um, well, I I think the weirdest thing that happened to me it was so dumb and it was so weird. Okay, so he got married during my time there to Lisa Marie Presley, rest her yep. soul. So, yep. okay, so they were having this secret, secret in quotes wedding. Okay, except it wasn't a secret. But anyway, my job was to get all the presents from our office to the their house or some. I think it was to one of his many houses and. I, and so anyway, Francis Ford Coppola, who's his uncle, sent right. a ginormous, whatever it's a magnet, this huge bottle of wine from his vineyard, like a life-size bottle of wine, like yeah. a short, small person bottle of wine. And my job was to get that bottle from the office to Bel Air. But we weren't allowed to use a messenger service because they wanted everything top secret. So right. I'm like, how is this going to happen? So I'm literally wheeling, rolling a bottle of Coppola wine down Sunset Boulevard. Like, yeah. this is going to break and I'm going to be fired or it's going to get away from me and kill someone. And then I'm <laughs> going to go to jail. It was huge. And it was, I'm sweating, a lot of sweating involved in my job. Yeah, you know, well, like yeah. it's hot in LA and I'm, and, and, and our cars were parked in this garage on a hill and it wrote, went downward and I'm, <laughs> and no one would help me because I was the lowest person in the office. So of I'm like, it was awful. I, and, and I tried a dolly and that didn't work. So that was like one of the weirdest things. And I was like, can we not just have a messenger's no, it has to be top secret. I'm like, everybody knows they're getting married. Who cares? It's so weird. So based on all these stories, when did you start pivoting to writing as well? Like during that time, <laughs> not shockingly, I was like, yeah. wait a second. This is the weirdest. Like my friends in the Midwest would say, like I would tell them stories about picking up Lisa Marie Presley's engagement ring at Tiffany's and like they were like you have to write about this because yeah. but I signed to NDA right but it was a 10 year whatever yeah. they're like this is not normal stuff that a 24 to 30 year old is doing with their life yeah. and you so I started writing and then that writing I so I started probably writing in like 2003 and that yeah. really led to a lot of like um, writing comedy essays, stand up stuff, and then you did like I a pretty big theater run, like like performance show, right? Like, yeah. I did a show about 
Nick Cage and cancer and all the things and that toured and that went to New York in 2013. And then I sort of pivoted. And then I became a therapist for felons, which is a whole nother Oprah. <laughs> and then that was a weird time in my life. And then um, I went back to acting around right when I met you, like 2014, okay. 2015. And I continued to write as I acted. So that makes I sense. really okay. got into doing more writing and then i and i was like let me try my hands at acting again and then i started booking things and 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 uh i i like it i don't i still have that feeling of like i have no idea if i'm any good but i i give it a shot you know what i mean like i'm a team player it's good to yeah. have me on your team yeah like it's also one of those things like was too, like one of the reasons i wanted to do this show is i've had this idea of like everyone always thinks of like you either trying or you're successful. And in fact, there's like a million in-betweens where you can be in a like national Josie commercial. Davis. Yes. And I think that's like, I, we've all had like weird jobs. Yours happened to be incredible in that you were hanging out with Nick Cage at the height of Nick Cage. Oh my God. But... My favorite thing. I just remembered that like when we were at his house, he had the danger Will Robinson robot in his lobby. <laughs> and that was weird. And it would, I don't know if it beeped or I don't know. But anyway, but my favorite thing was he had these, I was smoking at the time cigarettes and he would smoke on occasion or just had around these amazing Nat Sherman cigarettes that were, that were multicolored candy colored. And I thought that was the coolest thing. And then until I got banned because I was like smoking too many (laughs) and I got in trouble. I just loved them anyway. But yeah, but yeah, my jobs were weird. I've had weird jobs. And also yeah. you're right. There is no one way to do this. And also you have people like I, yeah, I'm a national commercial of mine is running right now. Mm-hmm. And I literally just got offered a job paying $12 an hour to do, to teach camp in Ventura. Which one are you going to take? <laughs> Neat. I mean, I, 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 I'm often offered jobs and I think it's just part of the deal Same. where I'm like, am I going to do what? And then I finally, I figured it was a big, it was a big yeah. win for me to say, actually, I, I can't do this for $12. <laughs> How did you, I, again, I, at some point I'll, I should, we should just all list out all our jobs or something. I want. Oh, but like, I have a you- list somewhere. Yeah. How are you? How did you get the WGN in Chicago where you were a radio host? So Nick DiGilio, film critic, and yeah. uh, WGN was on there forever before he left. Um, I my husband was obsessed with Nick DiGilio, like obsessed. My husband's not in the business; he's not, and he loved Nick DiGilio. I started listening to the show. Then I was like, you know what? I want to be. I want to be a guest. Like I yeah. think Nick and I. So I started calling in and writing in, and then I was on WGN, and they literally were like, "Do you want?" to start work it was a dream do you want except they gave me no training so the first night they were like okay and you're on the air and it's this live radio and it's like mm. a millions of people and it was a it was a really hard learning curve let's just say but yeah they offered me a job and i was like can i work here and they were like okay we'll think about it and then one day they're like do you want to drive the ship yourself and i was like what are you talking about he's like we have some slots open i was like okay so i did that <laughs> Amazing. I've had so many, so many weird. I worked at the rectory in a Catholic church, just, you know, all kinds of things. I I also, that was the first time I've heard you bust out the Nick Cage impression. So I, I need to. Oh, my, my favorite is Jan. What's a deli? And I said, what? <laughs> he didn't know what he's is at a restaurant. What's a jelly, Jan? I was like, uh, a deli is like a diner with a more Hebrew flair. Like, that's what I said. <laughs> he's like, oh, I got it. I got it. He got it. It was like I thought that was a perfect definition. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say that's 
that's succinct writing right there. Okay. I, he was he was nice. I liked him. I, I still like him. I, he yeah. was in Vegas, I think. Right? Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm going to ask one last question because as someone who's writing a project with you that we're almost done with, and you've talked about this, how, why do you think murder comes up in all your writing? Oh, I mean, I think I am obsessed with the idea. It's interesting. So, okay. So one, I like to take stuff out on people and I can't do it yeah. in real life. Every writer's that way. But also I was thinking about it. You know, I used to say like, I write about the way things are, not as I want them to be. And that's yeah. not true. I write about the way things are. And then I add a little uh, flair of, I want people to get what they really deserve, both good and bad. And it is mm. so fun as a woman in middle age to be able to, uh, to show that like, things are can get real bad and things can get really gross and really ugly and it's okay and yeah. i love that i think for me murder horror and um like dark 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 comedy mm. is one way for women to, to be able to say what they really want to say without being labeled a mm. nut or a bit you know whatever like the bad you know it's like you can process you can like it's right. a like, like this is of a woman is a very violent thing that it's also, like listen horror people are much cooler and nicer than anyone else so i've ever nicer. met and it's, welcoming it's the i i don't know if i've talked about this show i know i've talked about you it's like switching from comedy to horror was like the best career change i ever made dude i'm telling you right now horror folk are like we like you you're you're funny and weird and, and and come on and be with us. It's like really welcoming versus comedy where they're like, you're not funny. Get out. We hate your guts. <laughs> it is, and I'm like, whoa. Calm down. It's, it is, yeah, that is I'm what like, it's like. Guys. Uh, and it's always guys. I'm like, guys, let's. Uh, all right. Everybody Jen, down. do you have a heart out or do you want to stay on for the next segment? It's something new I'm trying. It's oh, I'll stay on. Okay. Uh, so. What we do next is usually what I do is a kind of a diagnosing of a subgenre that comes out of like that kind of art and money. Great. And so I'm going to go through a couple movies and I figure we can maybe just chat about them Great. a little bit. So, so much more fun. Yeah. Yeah. So um, this week's theme is Rocky clone movies. So that's like Rocky was the biggest movie in the world. People forget like it, when it came out, it like it was up for best picture. It was up for all these. What are your favorites or of my favorites? And Perfect. actually, in Rocky Six is my favorite monologue of all time. But anyway, go ahead. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, he's the like, of, how hard you of, get hit? Yep, that's yep, one of my... He's talking to Vito Farmiga or whatever the guy's mm -hmm. name is who gets blown up in the cooker on This Is Us. <laughs> that monologue is brilliant. But anyway, go ahead. I play that monologue to myself all the time when I'm having a down day. Like, it's, or I send it to friends when I know that. It's, like, so good. I, like... Such a good monologue i mean his face can't move because he has had so much plastic <laughs> surgery but i don't care it's the words anyway yeah so and like again i i've thought about doing a podcast about stallone because i think he's such a weird bizarre genius that's a whole other thing but one thing that is true is that rocky comes out and is like the biggest movie on the planet and so of course hollywood starts to replicate it and they start to replicate it in weird and interesting ways so the first obvious uh, Rocky clone is the Karate Kid, and like it's it's really obvious because it's directed by the guy who directed Rocky. <laughs> um, but it's also oh, I about, didn't know that. It's also stars a little Italian kid moving to Los Angeles. So they they take the fish, they add a little bit to it, right? It's like the fish out of water. Yeah. Um, 
they have the like, but like, and you yeah. know, um, Mr. Miyagi's obviously Mickey. It's almost in. The, it's almost called Mr. Mickey. Like, it's like it's unbelievable how like it's just trying to do Rocky. And you know what? It works. I love. It works. But like the Karate Kid, like as I've gotten older, I realized was like such an important movie to me as a like Italian kid who moved from Chicago to Los Angeles with his single mom. I was like, oh, and then like would fight with people all the time. I was like, this movie is like way too it- close to home for me. I think you're obviously not alone. Yeah. It's a whole generation of people. Thus, you know, Cobra yeah. Kai come back. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's, I also think that's interesting. Like kind of being a part of that generation. That's like, I remember in like one of my student films, someone like said like sweep the leg or, you know, like we start, like you can start, start to bubble up as references. And now it's like this huge Netflix sensation. Well, like, also FYI, Billy Zabka, oh. brilliant actor as an adult. Yeah. That, when I watch Cobra Kai, I'm like, this human gets it. We'll talk about acting. This guy knows what he, I'm like, I keep shouting to people like he's a genius actor. And they're like, okay, okay. And I'm like, no, no, he's great. Anyway, um, yeah. And like, I just like, it's such a, again, it's like, again, it's clearly the money was like, we need a movie just like Rocky. Boom. Right. They were like, we got to put a twist on it. It's like a classic example of the art money, but like they made a great movie that like, what well, worked years it later worked. like it, yeah so. so the next example of a rocky clone that i think truly is the ultimate example of art using money to make something unique based on the rules so let me okay. tell you it's yeah. a movie comes out in 1980 so it's right after rocky it's an about italian boxer that loses all the time and it's produced by the producer of rocky i am talking about raging bull is oh very- raging bull <laughs> no one different ever- take Different take, uh, very different. Scorsese was like, oh, so if I make a boxing movie starting an Italian. Italian. You see, Ita- like you can almost see the pitch and lies they told but the like, money. Elevate it and like also like elevate it and say, okay, this is, this is, Ra- this is um, Karate Kid meets Rocky meets yep. like um, a- a Mean Street. Like you, you've just done a different version. Yes, of the same movie. Like he, he literally, he like he doesn't win the big fight, but he God. has his moment. Like you couldn't knock me down. Like you yes. know. Like, and so, like to me, that is like he goes, he takes what the studio mandates. Right? They're like, we want another Rocky movie. He's like, I got you, and then makes the best movie, one of the best movies of the eighties. Like it's. It's such a funny flip, but it is so obviously they were like, we're gonna get another that's Rocky. Hilarious. <laughs> and that's that's what had to happen, right? Like it's got that's to like the art house version of Rocky. That's what yep. that is. Yeah, it was like they were able to flip it. It was just like art versus money. Art won this oh one. My God. Uh, art won this one. Yeah, yeah. And so now these are all 70s, 80s movies. You're like, oh, they're still making Rocky movies. Yes, they are. I don't know if you've seen it, but the movie Warrior starring uh, Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton oh, sure. is, is such... Is, I, I, 2011. Like, 2011. It's such a dude movie, for sure. But, like, it basically was like, okay, what if we did Rocky, but they're both underdogs, is basically the twist on it. Um, and you're rooting for both. Oh it's just, you know, they're like, um, it can't be boxing. What if it's, like, MMA? MMA, uh, because then it could get, like, then people will be like, oh, it's not Rocky. It's yeah. MMA, and yeah, it's, 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 but it's in, and it's not in, it's in New York, right? Not yeah, New York, it's like, I think they might yeah. be, yeah, yeah, they're like, yeah, I think they're like Jersey they, or New York. Jersey. They, they couldn't be Philly, Jersey. you're right. I didn't notice that. You're right. It couldn't. It would be too on the nose if it was Philly. 
No, um, it's gotta be it's gotta be Jersey or yeah. Yeah, but Nick Nolte is totally doing the Mickey role. Like it's this movie I think is like underratedly sad and like nuanced and like a little better than the kind of like sports kind of movie you think it is. Yeah, like the the one of the Wahlbergs did a boxing one too. Right? Yeah, like they like the fighter. fighter. Yeah, yeah, which is I thought about putting that on this list. So, so like yeah, so like I think Warrior is like a much more sensitive movie about masculinity and fathers, and like it hits all. But it's all rocky. That. It's rock. It's definitely rocky, right? They're just like, but you're rooting for both, and so I was just like, again, that's almost thirty years later, the Rocky clones are still happening. But I also want to give a shout out real quick to all the other. There's so many Rocky clones from the '80s. So like Flashdance is just dance Rocky. Yes. Dance Rocky. You got that. You got that right. It's Dance Rocky. Okay. Yeah, it's um then there's I don't know, seven Rocky sequels. I, I happen to yes. think almost all of them are great and unique, but I love them all. <laughs> yeah. And this monologue, like think about that. That oh. the monologue we're talking about is from 2006. They're still making yes. we still and also it's it's it, it's it's it, it, I think there's something magic in the writing, okay? Yes. There's something in all of the one I, I don't know. Anyway. It's a fairy tale, right? It's yeah, trouble. it's a fairy tale. We all relate. It's a blue collar fairy tale, right? Like, and Flashdance, I could, I could just go on and on about. It. Came out the year I was born. It is, I, I think, love one of that the. Movie. I think it invents the the MTV aesthetic. It's like pure gloss. It's like such a gorgeous looking movie. It it's defines, sexy, super it, yeah. sexy. Um, it's a movie where like. Other than like you know, it's dance Rocky. There is no plot to this movie. It's like no you just plot. So <laughs> it's like it's like it's like um, sexy and um, musical. It's like a musical, but not yeah. on ice. They add ice and dance, right? Because isn't aren't they dancer? One her best friends is a, a yeah a skater. Well, yeah, well, because oh, that's the isn't someone it, an ice skater? Maybe they, there's yes. only a scene on. Well, no, but they they both work at a fake strip club where they don't oh, right. plays off. Right. They just like do number right. like. So like, yeah, I mean, I think this is then gives gives also birth to some some stripper genre yeah. films, a la yeah. striptease. Like so, okay, but it's like a fake. Yeah, it was like and, a, and it, it was takes like place in Pennsylvania, so it's it's right down the road from Rocky. Rust Belt, Steel yeah. Mills, all that stuff. Yeah. So and like. The other thing that morphs from the Rocky clones are like you get like best of the best and power. You get the martial arts version. Oh, also there's hockey. There's a hockey yeah. version. Oh yeah, it's just it's it's, it's endless. Wait a minute, this makes shot. me want to yeah. legit write Rocky, but see if we can write Rocky in every single profession. <laughs> bakery, the bakery. bakery. They've done it with the sh uh, big night, like a chef. Yeah. They've oh, done yeah. it. Oh my gosh, we could do. I wonder, like, we could do it. I wonder. I'm just like, could we make Rocky? But a mailman or mailwoman version. <laughs> well, what, yeah, or uh, have they done? Or I'm something. sure there's a race car driver. I'm not race even like, car what? driver. Yeah, but I want to take it into weird genres like ba zookeeper. Baker is fun. I, I like like a baker, or like a kit, like a restaurant. But well, anyway, that, oh wow, Jen, Jen, thank you so much for staying on for the whole show. I'm gonna pivot to my next one, but we will talk soon. We got pages to talk about. Yay! Um, thank you so much. Thanks for and having me. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Bye. All right. Okay. So now let me look at my notes. Okay. So now we're on to who won art this week. Um, and uh, I'm staring at myself too much here. Uh, the movie I'm picking is a surprise to me, if I'm being completely honest with you. This is a movie that came out on Netflix, my least favorite of the streaming channels. Yeah, I said it. Um, I hated the first one. I thought it was, the first one was pure Netflix algorithm garbage. It's made by the Russo, well, written by one of the Russo brothers who 
well, I wish them luck. Don't seem to like, there's just something I don't like about them. Um, but it turns out they made a piece of movie I really liked, which is Extraction 2 is who I have winning art this week. And I mean that because they were able to go in, do calibrate what Netflix wanted. They're like, we need we need a sequel. We need to have action. And you know what? This movie really found a way to like build on what didn't work in the first one. It's directed, both ones are directed by Sam Hargrave, but he's like kind of the stunt coordinator. His like team is, um, does the John Wick movies, does a lot of the Marvel fight scenes. He knows how to build a fight scene. And I feel like as a director, the first one, he was just like kind of all over the place. And I just thought this one really is a more studied movie. It has less fight scenes. So there is like a 30 minute long one take fight scene, but in general, it's, tighter it's smarter it, you could tell he was studying the really good action directors i'm convinced he watched james cameron because he was like i'm not gonna have 17 fight scenes i'm gonna have three really good fight scenes which i think is always just better just like have a solid set piece and honestly this is like a violent piece of uh direct video action trash and i like there's no movie genre i love more than that and like i'm constantly wanting people to make movies like that and these guys sort of showed the way like there's an audience for this it's the number you know as all usual whatever the big thing is um the other thing I think it changed when they made this one is it's not, I think the first one was set in Mumbai. This one is more mercenaries versus Euro goons. And like that feels safer and less problematic, I guess. I mean, um, and also Chris Hemsworth has just become a better actor and movie star. I like, he's a guy who I like nothing in the Thor movies and just slowly over time. It was, I remember him in the Ghostbusters movie, uh, he really stole, stole the show and just like, he just keeps being more charming and finding. And like, he's really become one of my like favorite leading man in action movies. And like watching him make what would have been a knockoff Arnold movie or a Seagal movie it warms my soul. It's what I want from movies and extraction Two delivered it. And so that's why for this week it won art. Um, okay. So we've added a segment from last, last time, which was, I want to give you guys a couple of recommendations. I watch a lot of movies and TV and I know there's a billion choices out there and I want to, you know, maybe provide when you're looking for something. So first up is what I want to recommend on Tubi, which is my, the Netflix is my least favorite. Tubi is my favorite. It's always got what I need. It delivers trash. It delivers class. It delivers horror. It delivers weird. And so this week I'm recommending, we need to talk about Kevin. It's a movie from about, I want to say 2011 starring the flash also uh ezra miller is in this movie um playing a much darker character uh this film is just like an utter masterpiece it is like looming dread and like off-kilter storytelling it feels like a horror movie it feels like a drama tilda swinton is like just absolutely fantastic in this movie every shot in this movie is like every frame of painting like it's just like doing so much storytelling in every shot it's about it follows the mother of a son who was like a, like a school shooter. And just like it's contrasting across timeline of like, you know, like when it happened, before it happened. And like you see the kid as a child and it's about motherhood until and like Lynn Ramsey, the director, is just like doing some of her best work. Like it's to me when I'm like a movie I wish more people saw just because you're just like it's again, it has a bit of that like Jonathan Glazer under the skin vibe where it's just like. It's a little cold at first, um, but it's so effective. And the relationship between the mom and the son is like we watch it all happen is really great. And you have John C. Riley as the oblivious dad 
it's a really classy art house film that just happens to be in uh, on Tubi in the mix of this all this other kind of action and trash and sci-fi. So if you're like, oh, I want to see a movie like this is the kind of thing like you know I talked about Raging Bull earlier. This is a movie like that where it's like it's a lot. It can be very emotional, but it is a piece of art that someone really found a way to make within the system. And I think we should give a little bit of a shout out to we need to talk about Kevin. Um, so you need to see Kevin. Um, and then again, I'm trying to watch more TV. I know I'm always the movie guy, but uh, I've started watching uh, based on a true story, which is on Peacock. It's like kind of a, like true life crime comedy starring Chris Messina and Kaylee. Oh my God. Kuko Kuko from uh, Big Bang Theory. Pretty charming. Like I have not finished the whole series, but it did something in the pilot that I didn't believe they would have done to like the sixth episode. Like it really kind of jumped the story in an interesting direction. It's well shot. It's really well performed. It's a little off kilter. It's a little darker than you think. Um, and it's, it has a bit of a, in its own way, a spoof quality, all those discovery murder shows. And so I really appreciate like them kind of inverting and doing, it's not just a spoof it really gets into like the relationship and marriage. And so if you're looking for something new in the onslaught of content created by the algorithm for you, I think based on a true story is definitely worth your time. So, but we are out of time. So that's this week's show of uh, connect the dots. I uh, had a blast talking with all of you and I can't wait to do it again in two weeks. Thank you so much. I'll see you later. Huh? Wait, I'll see you later. Bid you farewell and good luck, morons. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Then in the next episode... It will take place two weeks from today. Hey, that's all. I gotta go.